such a long time ago when we first met Jesus on the hill and he gave us bread to eat and provided for us oh good bread let's see what else is in here oh look it's the lamp do you remember at the feast of the tabernacles Jesus reminded us that he is the light of the world showing us to God oh yes I remember it just like yesterday Jesus, he's the gate, the sheep. Oh, Jesus, he was the life, the resurrection, the way. Do you all remember? Oh, good golly. We were so excited to learn about Jesus. Oh, our hearts were so full. Cousin Aaron, cousin David and I, we were happy every day to see more of Jesus. But you do remember that day, Jesus died. And we were so, so sad. If Jesus is not with us, how can it all be true? How can it be all true? But you remember, I saw you there. Jesus rose from the dead. He was alive. Some of you were actually saw with your own eyes. It was amazing. We were so much full of joy. It was amazing. Oh. After that, Cousin Aaron, Cousin David, and ourselves, we follow the disciples. We learned so much about who God is, and we helped the people around us. It was a wonderful time. They built churches, helped the poor, helped the sick. Oh. But can I tell you something? It's only recently, look how old I am, but only recently that I understood one of the last things that Jesus said before Jesus left us, he said, he is the true vine and his father is the gardener and we are branches. And if we remain in him, we will bear much fruit. But apart from him, we can't do anything. I didn't understand what that meant. But as I worked more and more with disciples and helped the people around us, I started to understand what it was. You know what Jesus was saying? I think he was saying is that he didn't just save me. He saved us all. Jesus is not the great I am for me, but he is your great I am. And as we love each other, help each other, serve each other, we bear much fruit. And God, the gardener, is going to care for us. So now, as we wait for the camel, I look around me and see all of you together. I realize that you are our family. Jesus did everything for us. And I'm so full of joy that we are together that Jesus is a great I am. Not for me, but for you. Jesus is our bread. Jesus is our life. Jesus is our resurrection, the life and the way. He is our true vine, ours. 
It took me a while, but I think I figured it out. And every day, Jesus is teaching me more and more. Oh, what's that noise? I see the camel coming. Do you mind if we pray for our journey before we leave? Open them. Shut them. Oh, God, thank you for Jesus, the great I am. Open them. Shut them. Jesus, who show us the way. Amen. Open them. Shut them. Give your hands a clap. Open them. Shut them. Fold in your lap. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you are our great I am, who came to save every one of us. You came to show us the way, and you are the way. We thank you and praise Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, children at home, please work on your activity sheets. And children here, please, we will be going to the front. You can see Miss Catherine in the back. Please go with her, and we'll have activity time. Okay, thank you. The scripture reading for today comes from Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 10. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, do not know how to sp I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord. It's too tall. Lord be with you. Uh, before I begin, I just want to make one quick announcement. Um, uh, next week, we're going to have an uh, outdoor picnic service, so we'll be meeting in a different location. Uh, and then the week after that, uh, the children's message will be given separately. So um, after the praise time, uh, they will go uh, to their uh, room and have their own uh, service and message beginning uh, two weeks from now. So um, just wanted to give you a heads up on that. Uh, please pray with me. Gracious God, we're thankful for this day that you have made, that we can gather in your house to hear your word. Speak now your words to us. Help us to hear and obey. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 
So over the last two weeks, we've seen Jeremiah respond to the catastrophes in his life with prolonged weeping and also by being faithful to God's word in redeeming a field in the town of Anathoth. Those are two good ways of responding that we want to emulate under any circumstances and especially during times of chaos. This morning as we are going to be confirming our students from the class of 2021, it seemed appropriate to me to consider God's calling upon Jeremiah as he received his call as a youth. So I wanna make three reflections with you this morning on the points of contact with Jeremiah's call for us and especially for our confirmands. First of all, we see that it is God who calls. It is God who calls. It is entirely up to God, to God's will and God's perfect decisions. You and I don't get to choose our particular call for us. Our only choice, the only decision that we have to make is whether or not we are going to say yes to that call. Notice in this reading the emphasis on God's initiatives and on God's actions. I, I formed you. I knew you. I consecrated you. I appointed you. I send you. I command you. I am with you. I have put my words in your mouth. I have set you. The call is entirely driven by the actions of God. God tells Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. God knew all about Jeremiah before he came into being. It's, of course, very important for us to know God. This is why we study the scriptures and pray and gather for worship. But even more importantly, we need to know that we are known by God. You are known by God. God has always known you intimately. You have been set aside and chosen by God long before you were born. We become aware of God's call in a particular moment in our lives, but that call has been prepared from timeless eternity. God consecrated Jeremiah before he was born, but notice in verse 10, God also tells him, see, I have set you this day, this day I have set you over the nations and over kingdoms. Likewise, we know that God chose to love us before he laid the foundations of the world. But that revelation is made known to us and affirmed in a particular moment, such as in baptism or in confirmation. This ought to give us great confidence and assurance in both our calling and our salvation. Our lives are rooted in the eternal, sovereign purposes of God. I want to especially remind our confirmands that you are not your own. Even though you will be making a conscious decision today to follow Jesus Christ, you did not first choose him. 
you are and you have always been and you will always be chosen by God. So even if you feel a little shaky about your faith, that's okay because God is unshakable. It's okay if your legs are shaking as long as you're standing on solid ground. I hope all of you find it encouraging that when God calls Jeremiah, Jeremiah did not boldly say, here I am, send me. I mean, that is an inspiring response to God, and I'm sure some of you have responded that way. But how many of us have had that kind of faith, especially when we were adolescents? You might recall the scene in The Lord of the Rings when the powerful wizard Gandalf tells the not-so-powerful hobbit Frodo what he has to do with the one ring that has come into his possession. Frodo complains, I am not made for perilous quests. I wish I'd never seen the ring. Why did it come to me? Why was I chosen? And Gandalf answers him, you may be sure that it was not for any merit that others do not possess, nor for power or wisdom at any rate. Right? It's not because you're better qualified, but you have been chosen, and you must therefore use such strength and heart and wit as you have. And Frodo answers, but I have so little of any of these things. Sounds a lot like Jeremiah, doesn't it? I'm just a kid. I can't speak very well. But as God explains, it is not contingent upon your experience, your goodness, and your skill set. In fact, the people who are called by God are almost always the wrong people according to the world's standards. It's almost as if God goes out of his way to pick the least qualified people for his call and his work. It's a reminder that God's call is always under his inscrutable will and according to his wisdom and his purposes and his power. It is never because of our meager virtues, talents, or accomplishments. And that is something that I've tried to impress upon our confirmands over the years because two of the most common complaints or concerns that I hear parallel the words of Jeremiah. I'm just a kid, I'm just a youth. Some students feel because they are so young that they don't know enough or that they just haven't had the kinds of meaningful spiritual experiences that they've heard from others when they get confirmed. It's of course natural to want to tell a more exciting life story. But I want to remind you that this is just the first half of the first chapter of your spiritual autobiography. And so most of the story is yet to be written. I'm just a youth. It's the wrong focus on your own inexperience rather than focusing on the power of God who calls you. Similarly, I do not know how to speak also focuses on our inabilities rather than upon God's power. Our confirmands, like everyone else, have some level of anxiety about speaking in front of the entire congregation and giving a testimony, and a number of them have asked me over the years if it's possible to avoid it entirely. It isn't. I know it can be a bit frightening, 
but it's important to share our testimonies publicly, to profess Jesus Christ in front of others. And the testimony need not be some extraordinary story with some dramatic transformation like those before and after pictures of some weight loss program. At this point in Jeremiah's testimony, all he can say is, I was just a kid when God called me. But that's what he knows. And that's the story that he tells. I would say that the fact that we are all gathered here this morning to share these testimonies and to hear them is itself a kind of miracle. We can be thankful that these students grew up in Christian homes and in a community of faith and so that they haven't had too much drama in their lives yet. They'll have plenty in the years to come. The life story our students will share demonstrate their trust in God, that God has called them in this moment, and it's at this moment what they know about Jesus, not what they anticipate they will discover in the years to come. They're committing to follow Jesus today, as they are, as they are today. And they're choosing to tell the story that based on what they know about Jesus Christ, they're going to commit themselves to follow Jesus. That is an extraordinary thing. I think it's a lot like knowing your parents. You know them in a certain way when you're a kid, but as you get older, you come to know them and relate to them in a different way. At each stage of your life, you can only know them as you are able at that age. And every knowing is incomplete. Every knowing is incomplete. But there is always this confidence of this relational knowing. What you can be certain is that the one who has called you has loved you from all eternity, however limited our own comprehension of that truth might be. I imagine Jeremiah might have wished that God had called him to be a prophet at another time. Perhaps if he were a prophet during the reigns of King David or Solomon, when the nation was strong and more prone to follow the ways of God, he might have come down to us as the cheerful prophet rather than the weeping prophet. I've also wished that our confirmants could have had a different experience with the confirmation class, that we could have met in person, that we could have gone on a service project together and so on. You know, having a class over Zoom with five teenage boys is not the easiest thing. But I tell you, to their credit, they showed up every week and they contributed every week, for which I'm very, very thankful. None of us gets to choose the times that we are born in. It's God's call. And by faith, we can trust in God's wisdom and in God's purposes. So first, God calls. Secondly, God calls us to speak his words. God calls us to speak his words. I know that the idea of receiving a call may sound rather mysterious or overly spiritual, and perhaps the sense of receiving a call is something you associate only with uh, ministers or, or missionaries. It's true that there are particular calls for particular ministries, such as the one that Jeremiah received to be a prophet to the nations, but I want to remind you all that all of us, that all of us are called to a common task 
as the body of Christ. I doubt that you often think of yourselves as a prophet, but that is exactly what you are. The world thinks of a prophet as someone who can foretell or predict the future, but a biblical prophet is simply someone who speaks the words of God. A prophet simply speaks God's truth. So it's not just a preacher giving a sermon. It's all of us. It's all of you. You are the prophets of God. In our denomination's constitution, along with the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, there is the less familiar Heidelberg Catechism from the 16th century. We don't use it, but some churches use it every week in their Sunday liturgy. It's organized around 129 questions that are spread over the 52 weeks of a calendar year. Question number 32 asks this, why are you called a Christian? Why are you called a Christian? And the answer is this, because I am a member of Christ by faith and thus share in his anointing so that I may as prophet confess his name, as priest present myself as a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him and as king fight with a free and good conscience against sin and the devil in this life and hereafter reign with him eternally over all creatures. I am a member of Christ by faith and thus share in his anointing so that I may as prophet confess his name. As prophet confess his name. The catechism teaches that each of us in Christ, we hold the same three offices of Christ, prophet, priest, and king. By faith, we are called as prophets to confess the name of Jesus Christ. And our confirmands are going to do that publicly today. But I want to tell you, this is not the only time you get to do this. This ought to be the first in a series of times, a habit of professing and confessing the name of Christ throughout your life. This is our call in the world. And as you can see, because God calls, God also empowers. God put his words into Jeremiah's mouth. It didn't matter that he was a youth. It didn't matter that he couldn't speak well. I have put my words in your mouth. Similarly, God has given us his word, his final word, Jesus Christ, for us to proclaim. This is one of the reasons we want to more carefully study the scriptures, to know God to know God's word, to know God's word, Jesus Christ, for us and for the world, and to speak that word faithfully. Jesus calls us to be his witnesses throughout the world, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And I proclaim to you that which I first received, as the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. That's the good news which we are familiar with. This year, the confirmation class as one of their projects wrote their own creed as a way of proclaiming the good news in their own words based on what they have come to believe and to know and they even managed to do it with a bit of rhyme. 
Uh, it's printed at the bottom of your bulletin, so if you want to read along with me, here's what they decided that they believe. We, the confirmation class of 2021, believe there is only one good, loving God. We believe in God the Father, the world's creator. He guided Abraham's family and sent his son to die for sinners. We believe in Jesus Christ who died for our sins and born of the Virgin Mary, the son of the Father who follows his behavior and is humankind's savior. He performed many miracles. We believe he cast out demons, he healed and relieved. He fed 5,000 and left people in awe. He taught about God. He was turned in by Judas the traitor. We believe he died and rose from the dead three days later. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the holiness of God who spoke through the prophets. We believe in the church, the community and people of Christianity. It is a place of worship for Christians and their families. We believe in the sacraments known as God's means of grace. For baptism, a one-time ceremony should suffice. It means that we, that with God, we are now interlaced. We also believe communion is a reminder of Jesus's sacrifice. We believe in the Bible's view. We believe it is the word of God and true. That's pretty good, right? That's answering God's call, or that's one way of answering God's call, to speak God's word. So God calls, and God calls us to speak his word. And thirdly, in that call, God promises to be with us. God promises to be with us. Do not be afraid of them, God says, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. God has given Jeremiah actually a, a pretty hard word to preach. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Four negatives, pluck up, break down, destroy, overthrow, to only two positives, to build and plant. And Jeremiah's preaching through the book reflects this. It's mostly bad of judgment, but it ends with hope. In fact, you have to pluck up and destroy before you can build and plant. The clearing of the field is necessary before you can lay down the seeds that will grow into a bountiful harvest. There will be building and planting in the end. But for most of Jeremiah's life, it's breaking and destroying. He is not going to be popular. The fact that God promises to deliver him implies that he will be in some trouble that will require rescuing. The truth is that when we speak God's word, it ought to lead us to some trouble. As the late Congressman John Lewis said, good trouble. The world does not want to hear that they are sinners in need of forgiveness, nor will it embrace commands such as to love our enemies, nor will it accept that Jesus Christ is the one and only name under heaven by which we may be saved. The world will reject you and your message. But God says, you need not be afraid, for I am with you. And God repeats this promise to Jeremiah two more times. 
In 119, he says, they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. And in chapter 15, he says, and I will make you this day to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you, for I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. I will be with you. No matter what, I will be with you. Whether you're walking through the valley of death or find yourself at the ends of the earth, God's word for you is I will be with you. So take heart. Even though we are living in chaotic times like Jeremiah, know that you are known by God. God has called you. And God has called you to proclaim his word. And God has promised that he will be with you now and always. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you today especially for those who will be baptized and reaffirm their baptismal vows. We are confident that you have called them that you have empowered them to speak your word and that you will continue to keep your promise that you will be with us now as always. So help us to believe and trust your word and obey. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.